Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. We, dis we discovered last week a working definition of grace. Grace is how God, who is love, expresses that love. Grace is that venue, that avenue, that way that God expresses his love. And it's saturated, immersed in two things. His favor towards his children and his ability that resides in and with those who trust him. It is his favor by grace you're saved, by the favor of God you're saved through the agency of faith, not of yourself. And it wasn't of any of your works unless somebody could boast and say, I did it. It is the gift of God. Grace is God's favor. Do you know he saw you before you were born and loved you just the way you are? Saw every choice you were ever going to make and chose you anyway. He loves you, the grace of God, the favor of God, and as we talked about last time, the ability of God. Sometimes you're going to need that supernatural ability like you have never felt the need for it before. You always need it, but there are times when you need it, when you're more aware of your need. Paul's in a place like that he's describing for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Are you there? Paul says in verse 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, that is, when I was caught up into the very presence of God, and, the, and God revealed to me things that I don't know, he says, whether I was in the Spirit or whether I was literally transported before the very throne of God, and I, I was taught... And I, I heard the voice of God. Things were shared with me, imparted to me, that is really not lawful for a man to see and know and hear. But God did that. How do you, why would he need that? Because he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. But he said, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of who? Who? So if you're a messenger of Satan, if you're a messenger of Satan, who sent the message? Hello? Lest I should be, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord. How do you, what does that mean? What does it mean to plead? Does it mean to just shoot up a little request and say, hey, would you? To plead means with all your being, you go before God and you express what your, it's a heart cry. 
It's more than just a little verbal uh, pop gun prayer. It, it, Paul said, I pleaded with the Lord. How often? How many times? On three different occasions. I ple- Can I ask you something? If God entrusted this man to be the human instrument through which the Holy Spirit used to write 13 books of your New Testament, wouldn't you think that he trusted that man? Wouldn't you think that he would have an audience with God, yes or no? And this man who is still revered as an instrument of God went before God and pleaded with God that this thorn, he calls it, this thorn in the flesh would be removed from him. I uh, told you last week about how I pleaded with God over and over not to take my son from me. I have, I am nowhere near the walk that the Apostle Paul has. Nowhere near. I mean, I don't, I haven't been entrusted with anything like he was. But this is incredible. I pleaded with the Lord that it might depart from me. Can I ask you something? You got something that just stays and stays and stays and stays and stays in your life. Some pain, some memory, some situation in your health, your business, your relationships, something in, in your life that just stays and stays and stays and you have been before God and you have pleaded with Him to take care of it, to remove it. Anybody here can say, I, I've been there. Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord that this, and you know, scholars have debated about what it is. Some have said it's been a a physical malady. Others have said it's a group of people that constantly persecuted Paul and it just wouldn't relent. I don't know the answer to it, and they don't either. It's just their best guess. But here's what God said in verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your what? In your weakness. So when you're not feeling like Superman or woman, when this seems to never get resolved, though you plead with me to do something about it, I want you to know something. In the absence of it being removed, I've got something greater than your thorn. I've got something greater than your issue. I have something greater than your pain, and it's my grace. My favor and my ability is greater than what you're going through. Grace is always greater than sin. Grace is always greater than pain. I gave you a testimony in my own journey of how God's grace is greater than the depths of my pain. Do you understand that? Do you get it? Are you, are you in a place right now where you're begging God to remove this from you? Maybe he's saying to you, in the absence of the removal, I want you to understand that in your place of weakness, my grace is made perfect. Then Paul says, therefore, in verse 9, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities, my inadequacies, my weaknesses, my issues, 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Are you all understanding the gist of this? The grace of God is magnetized by your weakness. Your personal weakness and crisis is very attractive to the grace of God. God's not telling you, just get your act together and then I'll show you grace. God is telling you, you can't fix yourself. If you tried, you had already done it. I'm very attracted to the place you're in if you will just receive, if you'll quit telling me to please get it out of the way and just embrace that my grace is greater than any pain or any need that you have. Grace, my favor, my ability. Do you really believe that? Do you believe God's great grace is greater than any financial need you have? Do you know 2 Corinthians 9 says that the grace of God, God will cause all grace to abound towards you so that always having all sufficiency, you will have an abundance for every good deed. Will you be tested in that? Of course. Nothing worth having, or nothing worth having is, is never tested. Every good thing in your life goes through testing. Paul said, since grace, since favor and ability is greater than my need, I'll rejoice in it because that's when the power of Christ will rest upon me. I wonder in this crisis that you're in, if you've gotten to that place to where you rejoice and say, thank you, the power of Christ is in me and on me today. I'm done. I, I, I can't fix it. The power of Christ is in me and on me and with me today. My grace is sufficient. And notice what he said there in verse 11, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know about you, but there came a time in my life when God opened the eyes of my heart and I understood that without Him I was lost and undone, but that His grace was greater than my sin. And He opened my heart to believe, as He did yours. The grace of God. So the, the, the promise of God's Word is there is grace supernatural favor and ability when you're in that place of crisis and need. Turn back to the first chapter of 2 Corinthians with me, please. There's grace for that overwhelming adversity. Would you just pray with me right now? Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, open my heart that I may receive your grace. Give me greater revelation that your favor is in me and on me and with me and your grace is greater than my issue right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the apostle talks about this overcoming grace. 
I want you to notice something here, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort. That word comes from the Greek word paraclete, parakletos. You know what the paraclete is? It is the person of the Holy Spirit. This God of all comfort, and that word also is, in, is translated encouragement, comforts us in how many? All our tribulation. The word tribulation is the Greek word thlipsis, and it means unmerciful pressure. It means relentless problems, issues, pressure that is pressing in on you. It may be financial or physical or relational or whatever it is, but it has to do, it is an all-encompassing word, tremendous pressure. Notice he says, he encourages us, comforts us in all of our tribulations. Why? That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. If we're afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, your deliverance, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings, which we also suffer. If we're comforted, it is for your consolation, your encouragement, and your deliverance. Our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, you also will partake of the encouragement, the healing, the consolation, the comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, listen to this, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength. So that we, me and my compatriots in God's work, we despaired. The word despair means to abandon all hope. To get to such a place of depression that you can't lay hold of any hope anymore. We despaired even of life. We got to a point to where we didn't want to live anymore. This is the apostle talking here. This is God's man. This is a man that shook the Roman Empire. He got to a place in his own journey that he said, I was burdened beyond measure, beyond strength. I had nothing left. I despaired. I abandoned all hope of life. Yes, he says, verse 9, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. We were just ready to cash it in. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. We got to that point to where we resigned and said, God, it's over. We can't do this anymore. I have been very honest with you over the years and told you I reached that point a few years ago in my life. Can anybody else say, I've been there?
Can't go on. We submitted to the death. We submitted ourselves to God in verse 9, who raises the dead. Man. What do you have that you've just, you're done. You pretty much have to submit it to death. Is it your marriage? Is it your business? Is it your health? Is it relationship? What is it? Paul said we came to that point to where we couldn't trust in ourselves anymore. Do you know that when you get to the point to where you realize you can't trust yourself anymore, you have to trust God, you're about ready for a resurrection. He's about to raise something up that you didn't see coming. He's about to raise up new business, new income, new health, new relationships, a new walk, a new journey, a new season. Notice what he says in verse 10. He delivered us from so great a death and does still deliver us in whom we trust that he will continue to deliver us. You doing your part, you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to the many. The Corinthians had raised funds for those who were struggling in poverty. And Paul and his, and, the, and his compatriots were delivering help in need. What in the world? This is grace in the depths. I want you to see again what the keys to receiving this grace is. When we go back there, to verse 4, we're, we're told in verse 3 that He's the God of all comfort. Who? Do you understand who is a comforter? It's a person. Who is a person? It is not an it. It's not a feeling. It is a person. Have you sought personal relationships with the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who is called alongside to help you? If you're going to get through this, you're going to have to develop a greater intimate walk with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to succeed otherwise. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, the encourager, the helper. He is the only one who can break the power of deep, dark seasons and sadness and depressions. There's other, other instruments that He uses, but He is the helper. He is the person. It's a personal relationship. I want you to notice what the purpose, Paul says, in this deep suffering is. Verse 4, he says, here is, he comforts us so that, he encourages us, he ministers to us so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. That word is thlipsis also in deep, dark times of pressure and issues. The reason he comforts us is that we may comfort those who are in trouble themselves. How many of you know you reap what you sow? 
One of the greatest things you can do if you have a deep need is to sow out of your need. Sow into somebody else what you need. The sufferings of God. Look, if you are in a deep, dark place, one of the th- get a relationship with the Holy Spirit, grow, draw more intimate with Him, begin to see that the purpose in this is to comfort others who are in a place of trouble just like you. Sometimes suffering can be, God, I know you're able to get me out of this. So why does it feel like I'm still stuck here? Sometimes God is going to ask you to join the sufferings of Jesus who say, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Sometimes suffering is the willingness to live out, let God take you on the journey and be able to tell a story that will benefit somebody else. I would not have ever signed up for my journey with my son, but can I tell you something? There are people all over this ministry who have been comforted and encouraged by the grace of God because that grace has brought Dean and me to where we are today. Some of you trust us more because you see we've been through some stuff. Now, Joe and Sharon, I am not God, and I don't know why some things last as long as they do. But I believe part of the reason for your journey is so that you will have a special anointing to help people who are on a similar journey as y'all have been on to get through successfully where they are and to see that grace is greater than the suffering. Some of you have gone through deep, dark times of divorce and, and deep, dark times of depression and deep, dark times of sickness. And God, I know you sometimes think, well, why don't you just fix everything? Part of suffering is allowing God to tell the story he wants to tell that will give glory to his grace. I'm going to tell you there is a countless opportunities for somebody who's been through something and received grace for it to help and comfort and encourage other folks. So don't unplug from the journey in the middle of the book. Let him finish telling the story through you. So we see that one, time, one, reason, one of the good things about of going through suffering is a more intimate walk with the Holy Spirit. Number two, it is what we call redemptive suffering. You know what redemptive suffering is, don't you? It's suffering that you do that's on behalf of somebody else. It's for their benefit. So we see that that suffering has a purpose to it. But I want you to see the path by which you succeed. If you look in 10 and 11, 
you see that the testimony is that God intervened when they were destitute of any hope of going forward. God raised them from the dead. God ultimately invaded their circumstance and situation and they, their lives were not cut short. They finished. Do you know that many years after the book of 2 Corinthians was written, Paul was still alive and ministering? Several more years. So this was not the end. He thought it was, but sometimes you got to come to that point to where you die to your own self and your ability to figure it out and place all the future of the situation in God's hands, believing that it's up to him. He raised Paul and his compatriots from the dead. He can raise you to a new season of your life. But I want you to see this. He not only raised them up by His power. Notice He had some partners with raising them up. And you're not going to succeed very well if you don't have some partners. If you isolate, you become very attractive to the devil. Verse 10, He delivered us from so great a death and does still deliver us. He delivered us, but look at verse 11. You also helping together in prayer for us. Do you know that part of what God does is He uses a committed core of people who will pray for you. Do you have that? I guarantee you that if you're in the pits of, of, of crises, the thorn in the flesh, the sufferings, I guarantee you that God has already chosen a committed core who will pray for you. But can I tell you something? They can't cover you if they can't find you. You've got to swallow your pride and you have got to say, God, where is that committed core who you have chosen to partner with you and partner with me to pray for me? Because for whatever sovereign reason, you mighty God have chosen to use the prayers of your children on this earth to accomplish what you want to do. Daniel, you're not going to be successful long term in this ministry calling you have. If you try to do this by yourself, you will fail. You've got to have a committed core that you stay committed to. God has ordained that. And you have been honest and faithful enough to find that core. Now stick with it. Stick with it. There is a partnership. The apostle said, you partnered with us and you helped us through your prayers. God has ordained that vehicle is a way he gets things done. And the only way you're going to forfeit that is you're so prideful that you won't tell anybody you have a need. That 
is self-destructive. So are you seeing something here? You got it, Linda? There may be seasons that you don't get relief, but you have the promise that grace is greater than the issue. My favor and my ability is greater than anything you'll ever go through. You believe that, Jay? My favor and my ability are greater than anything you can ever go through. He can raise anything from It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Do you know that sometimes the only thing that will give you bearings is, a, is an act of your will to trust Him when you don't understand. To trust Him when you don't feel a thing. To trust Him based on His Word and His track record. And sometimes it's so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take Him at His Word. Just to rest upon His promise. And to know thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and more, hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh God, how we bless you and praise you, Father. Thank you for the grace to trust you. We pray, God, for deeper levels of grace to be manifested in us that we may trust you more. How sweet, how precious, beyond words, the ability to trust you. Father, now I pray in the dark seasons and hours of the lives of those who hear this message. They may know that they're not alone, that there is a paraclete, one called alongside to help, the Holy Spirit, to encourage, to instruct, to guide and to teach, to strengthen. Thank you, O oh God, that these sufferings are not wasted. They're being invested in the lives of others whom you choose to minister to. Reveal to us, O oh God, that committed core of those who will pray with us and for us if we'll just let them know. Oh, for grace, Lord, that overcoming grace to be greaterly manifested in each of us and all who hear this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we look forward to seeing you back next week as Brother Chet ministers to us. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.